Bailey and Harper, we're back. We've got news. We're still good looking and entertaining as well. It's good to be here. Episode number 82. Roman Harper, what's up, brother? How are you? I love that intro. You do? I was not ready for it. Yeah. I freaking love it. Yeah. You're damn right, Kyle. All we still things. do look good. Yeah. And uh, I think you're looking even better, dude. You're in shape. Thanks, bro. Pants are fitting. I mean, they're it's not the first thing you told me. Like, yeah. Your jeans is fitting, man. Your jeans is fitting, bro. It's Popping. Nice, it's nice Cowboy thing to hear. Boots. I mean, dude, you're, you're killing the game right now, Thanks, guys. bro. And they're not hoochie daddy either. Not just hoochie let y'all know. No, They're I'm, not hoochie daddy. It's almost fall, so I'm almost ready to retire the hoochie daddy shorts for the year. But I've been rocking them, baby. <laughs> I've been rocking them every day. Kyle, I was back in Tuscaloosa last week. Dude, hoochie daddies were out, bro. I had I, mine on. I was in the I was in the store. Not the store. I was in the, the building the other day, right? We worked with the, the TV people, and I had the hoochie daddy shorts on, my Sperry's just coasting <laughs> down the hallway. The lady from sales was like, must be nice. And I was like, excuse me? She goes, oh, I like your shorts. You look great. But she was like, you know, it must be nice to be able just to rock in shorts in the radio. We work at <laughs> TV. We, you know, we got to be on camera. And I'm like, well, it sucks to suck, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, dude, it's been fun. It's been a good – football's back. We look good. We have news. Uh, the podcast is going to FNZ, Radio 1, among other things. Like, we, big things popping. We, we just got some plans for the future. And more importantly than anything, all that means – is that this consistency that we've been seeking for months now? We're we're on the books every Tuesday. There will be well, okay, every Tuesday with the occasional Wednesday, <laughs> like, which is our auxiliary fallback day. There will down. be a new Bailey and Harper pretty much every Tuesday, possibly Wednesdays, but just count on Tuesdays. Yeah, so. man, it, it's been crazy. I, I told you I was just at Charlotte Latin the other day. Uh, my kid had a basketball practice, and and uh, they don't go to school there, but they were there for practice. And I'm walking by, and this random guy's like. Hey, when are you guys going to bring another episode? I'm like, what? He's like, the podcast. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Me and Kyle, dude. That's like, dude. It's been like three weeks. I don't know, man. We yeah, just, it's like, dude, we, we get in our lives and we, we're go. Uh, yeah. Anyways. We used to live four minutes apart. Now we live 40 minutes apart. Yeah. So that, that's part of it. Um, schedules and whatnot. But really, we just needed the commitment. So uh, every Tuesday now, and Wednesday's just a fallback day if we have a scheduling conflict. But uh, pretty much every Tuesday morning, We'll have a new podcast out. You can also catch it on FNZ. I guess that means we're going to have to edit this thing when we say fuck. Whoops. Um, <laughs> a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that too. All right. So uh, let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, episode 82. You want to go first? I, got- I will. Uh, number 82 on my tops. Num- I got I got, I got. got an alternate as well. Um, but my number 82 is the great one himself. One of the University of Alabama's greatest of all times and also not only greatest football player, but greatest human beings I've had the honor to meet. And that is Ozzie Newsom, tight end slash wide receiver from the University of Alabama. Played 12 years actually in the NFL as well for um, what team did he play for? Oh, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Apologize. Uh, and when he left, he was uh, uh, he was four, the league's fourth leading receiver. Uh, and first among tight ends when he actually retired, which is crazy. Um, all the way back then, he's also in the football, college football Hall of Fame. He's also in the professional football Hall of Fame. And, dude, he could go in the Hall of Fame for being a great GM as well for all the years that he did that as well. He's still working closely with the Baltimore Ravens organization. Every time I see him, he treats me like gold. Um, really, really big fan of that dude. He's an awesome human being. And... Man, you can't say enough good things about Ozzie Newsom. how much he's done for the game of football, the University of Alabama, and everywhere he's been. Shout out to Ozzie Newsom, number one, number 82, my number one on all time. My second guy, oh. a little alternate, 
is John Taylor, wide receiver from the San Francisco 49ers, growing up watching him, opposite side of Jerry Rice. He was just my favorite go-to guy. He's the one that made the slant catch versus Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Joe Montana slinging it, singing, celebrating right after. John Taylor, you're my second number 82. Thank That's you. phenomenal. I also have two. I'll go with my backup first. All right? okay. Jason Witten, Cowboys. You know, we're from the same general neck of the woods. Uh, you know, so I played I, forever. Yeah, played forever. Good Didn't do great player. on TV. Not the, not the greatest on TV, um, <laughs> but you know, on, on the football field, very good. Jason Witten, you know, that's my honorable mention, so to speak. I'm going uh, Panthers legend, five time pro bowler, five time all pro wide receiver, number 82, Michael Bates. How about that one? Wow. You like that one? I do like that I one. I do too. He was mostly a return guy, though. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. Good call. Yeah. I was not ready for that one. He was I very thought you were going somewhere else with the Panthers, 82. No, and for those that don't know, two-sport athlete, right? He was a sprinter, won an Olympic bronze medal in the 200-meter dash in 1992. And you're right. Um, I, I said wide receiver, but, yeah, kick returner, um, you know, was just phenomenal. Five-time pro bowler as a returner, uh, played at Arizona, was just incredible. So, uh, you know, Michael Bates, how about that? Hey, I didn't know he was a two-time athlete. I mean, two-sport athlete either. So, dude, special shout guy. out. Special, special. guy. I thought I just only recalled him as a returner, you know, and so. Oh no, you're right. I misspoke. I called him a wide. Well, I mean, technically he, he, he technically was, is a wide. He receiver. is a wide yeah. receiver, but he was yeah. known I'm as a returner. I'm not saying he can't play wide receiver. Well, okay. So anyway, well, Devin Hester was a wide receiver too, technically. So <laughs> I, we we got to go to something else. Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh yeah, let's just jump off right into it. I was have that the biggest never seen anything quite like that in my life. Me neither. I I, I was so stunned. And normally, as I said this yesterday, I couldn't care less about the Jets or Jets fans. I felt horrible for those people on Monday night. Um, all that buildup, you haven't had a quarterback in forever. You know, just nothing but disappointment. You get beaten up on by Tom Brady for 20 years in the AFC East. You had nothing to be super excited about, but now you do. And that atmosphere, 9-11, that stadium. Yeah. I mean, the hard knocks, the, all the, the buildup, the everything. hype, everything. 9-11 really, like, sets it off, and too. And it ended in four fucking minutes, dude. Four plays. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it lasted four minutes. That's, that's, that's nuts. Four plays. And he knew. Like, yeah. we all knew. In my head, like, right then, I was like, come on, can, maybe he's going to be out a while, but come on, not like that. And then he laid down. Because you, you could see the look on his face when he, he's looking around and he just knows there's something broken in his body. And like he, he knows it's done. So he lays down. And I didn't see this at the time, but I was listening to one of the reporters talk about it. You know, one of his offensive linemen went to help him up. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting up. I can't get up. Because he knew. Because yeah. athletes know, right? They do. Well, well, they said there's something that's very unique about an Achilles pop is that – uh-oh, that's my luggage, side yeah. luggage over here. Um, one thing that's unique about Achilles pop is that – like. You think somebody hit you or kicked you. Luckily, somebody was on, like, tackling him. So it was, like, in that instance. So that didn't feel weird to him at first that he just went down by himself. But then, like, you try and move, and it's like – they say, like, your foot isn't attached. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing that feels so weird for you. It's like, normally you can dorsiflex. You can, like, move your foot up and down. And when you rupture your Achilles, you can't do that. Right. And so I'm sure when he got up and was like, like – my foot doesn't feel attached to the rest of my leg. It has to be a sick. It has feeling. to be like a very sick, weird, like feeling, especially like you're just, you know, he's 40 years old or about to be 40. And Aaron Rodgers has, has never really been hurt like that. 
Nah. And so you're used to just always getting up. You've always just gotten up. And now for the first time, you get up and it's like, I don't know if, if I can truly do this. And so, and it's got to be so disappointing, not only for him, for that whole organization, everybody that put so much into it. It was sad. It was a big letdown on the biggest stage uh, on the NFL, too, because like everybody tuned in for that game. They actually gave out more tickets to that game, that Monday night game, than when New York was, had the Super Bowl. And Jeez. so that's how many people were excited <laughs> and ready to go for this, uh, this, this second coming of the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, with all the weapons they have on offense. And, you know, uh, Breezy, uh, Breeze, uh, Breeze Hall had a great game. Yeah. Toting the rock, 100 yards first half. Oh, yeah. And defense balled out, too. I mean, lights out to the Jets. They're still, built to make the playoffs yeah, you like, know, with, with like, average Hats off to play. them for still being able to go out there and grind through and win that game. But, man, that was just one of the biggest letdowns, like, I'd ever – like the and I say let down in the, in the fact of, like – and I feel bad for those guys, especially for Aaron Rodgers, but – and I don't want injury on anybody, but I'm, I was let down because I was so excited in this whole buildup to what the Jets were going to be this year, and now it's just – it's gone. Yeah. And we didn't even get to, like, see it. We didn't get to see a quarter of it. We didn't get to see uh -uh. one game. We didn't get to see a half. We saw, like, three plays. Aaron Rodgers got pressured once. Got pressure twice, sacked, and then next you know, it's game over. So I started talking about this on the show yesterday, and I was like, well, I asked the question, what compares to this? And, you know, obviously Dan Patrick was doing a very similar conversation earlier in the day, and I was listening to Kyle Brandt talk about it too in some great conversations. But that was my first thought sitting there, probably like a lot of people, sitting there Monday night. I was like, what? You're in stunned shock for, the, you know, for minutes. And I'm like, what? what is this? Like what have we seen anything what like use? this what before? What was their comparison? Well, so I, you know, I know some of, that comes to my mind. I well, we went through it. a lot of them yesterday because okay. we were sitting in our newsroom just brainstorming a bunch of them, just seeing if there's anything that did compare. And I think Malcolm Butler's pick in the Super Bowl, it, like not just losing a big game or losing a Super Bowl, you're driving in, you're on the goal line. The whole world thinks they're giving it to Marshawn, and Seattle's about to win another Super Bowl. Like, it's, they're celebrating at that point. They know it, the game is in their hands. And then, boom, Malcolm Butler steals it, right? The highest of high, the lowest of low in just a split second. I mean, like somebody said 28-3 Atlanta in the Super Bowl, but, like, that's like dying by paper cuts. You're watching a 28-3 lead evaporate yeah. over the court. We're talking about, like, bang, bang. You're, you're elated, euphoric, everything's great, and boom, the bottom's out. Like, what do you mean it's over? What do you mean we don't get to do this? Um, and so somebody said – they compared it to Mike Vick when Atlanta fans found out that Mike Vick was in big trouble and not going to play football anymore mm -hmm. because that was one of those things. And I don't know if it's, a, if it's a perfect comparison, but it's I think it's more close to all of a sudden this thing that's so awesome that everybody knows is going to be great just doesn't get to happen anymore. Yep. And everybody's left stunned like, why? What do you mean? Why yeah. is this over? I know what comes to mind when you talk about it. For me, I immediately go to basketball player Lynn Bias, mm -hmm. who was yes. drafted, was going to be like everybody talks about. It. I never really got to see him. I only seen his highlights, but he got drafted to the Celtics and was going to be the man. Right. Like, and then literally after he drafted, he has an overdose and dies and it just never comes to fruition. And to me, when you like the biggest and it's. 
I, I hate using the word letdown, but like it's like you're, you're truly disappointed because you don't get to see your hero in action. Yes. And like this is what we've all been waiting for, this opportunity, this moment, you know, because they, they don't play in the preseason in basketball. And then all of a sudden, I mean in football, and then all of a sudden like this is the moment. Like it, it happened. It was Monday night. Yeah. Like they saved this game for Monday night. And then it was like, oh. And I'm not even going to talk about all the, you know, just to bring it all full circle. I'm not even going to talk about all the people that drafted him in fantasy draft. Oh, just, my God. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> my boy, so my, then, boy then, my boy had all just crying emojis the whole Monday night, Tuesday after Tuesday morning, just crying emojis because he drafted him. He drafted Aaron Rodgers. So oh, yeah. his team's kind of – It's it's cooked. But like, cooked. That's correct. But, like, <laughs> that's the thing. And I was thinking yesterday because somebody else mentioned Len Bias in the text line. I was like, I'm just always hesitant to compare the loss of human life to – I agree. Aaron well, Rodgers that's why I was, I, was, but, I was wondering if somebody brought that up. But it's not an out-of-bounds comparison because it fits perfectly alongside, okay, you're hyped for this thing that yes. literally never happened. Yes. This thing that you envision is going to be so great. It's a guarantee. It's a sure thing that it, yeah. it's at least going to be, you know, really good and fun Can't to watch. Miss. And it never happens. Yeah. Like, so that's I think it's a fair comparison in that way. Yeah. But man, I mean, I, speaking of Mike Vick a minute ago, you know, for me it was watching Virginia Tech go into the fourth quarter of the national championship game with a lead over Florida State, thinking we're going to win the national championship. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. And then the fourth quarter happened. And then and the best team won. And then we just stopped. And then we didn't the win the best national. Team won. I disagree, but the, we we Mike didn't win. Vick the- <laughs> was your whole deal like the best? Team one. No, I disagree. But, yeah, <laughs> I disagree. Some things occurred. Listen, I'll be honest with you. If that game's on TV and I do have the stomach to watch it, I always turn it off at the end of the third quarter. I'm not watching the fourth quarter. I don't blame you. So I don't know very much about the fourth quarter because I don't ever watch it. I watch that game up to the th- end of the third and I turn it off because I can't stomach the rest of it. But I'm not mad. Yeah. But anyway, so no, Monday night was truly unbelievable. Um, and I, I don't know. Like Tom Brady's not coming out of retirement. They, got, they can stop talking about that. That's not happening. No, um, they're going to have to roll with their quarterback that they got. Nobody's, they're not signing Colin Kaepernick or somebody. I know Ka- he hasn't played in years. Like eight, in nine years. years. You don't think he'd need at least a training camp to help you? Like, I mean, and no, even. There's no way. I, I, I say you, you roll with the young boy. Yes. Let him play him. He, get, him a, you, get him a big boy backup if you can. But you drafted a number two overall. Play him. <laughs> you got to play him. Yeah. All right. And he's got to get his big boy draws on and, and go out there and try and help his team win the game. Y'all did and, win, by the and way. And the best way to not to help your team win is to take care of the football. Understand the responsibility that you got, all right? And let's go play ball, all right? You got, you got I mean, I don't know if you're ready for the moment, if we're you were ready, but you got to get ready. We got a week to prepare to go out there and try and win us a game. The Jets are built for tough as, an organ, as, a, as a team. Yes, I mean, you got some destroyers on that defense. I'm not saying they are the 49ers, but Robert Sala was in San Francisco. He watched it get built. They are built similar to San Francisco can, in that. They can win. Yes. They don't need elite quarterback play to win games this year. No, no, no. They they needed elite quarterback play if they wanted to win a Super Bowl. Right. And that's why they brought in Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, it's all good, man. I'm, I just – it's funny because Green Bay fans are low-key kind of happy. Um, it would just – yeah. It, yeah. It's fucked up. But it's what it is. Right. And not only that – it, it it would seem pettier if they also sucked, but like Jordan Love might be that dude. Jordan, Jordan Love came out a great game. <laughs> he might be that guy. Well, that's probably why now they can be petty. Yeah, they're cackling. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like we're gonna be all right. Yeah, <laughs> sucks for y'all. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna be all right. Yeah, you know, because no, yeah, but like 
Green Bay hates the Bears. And huge rivalry. And they own them. And they came out and pretty stomped, pretty much stomped a hole in them. And so they feel good. Um, it was just really entertaining. I love the NFL for all these things. This is why I love watching the NFL because every game counts. The 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 level of execution because you know I cover college football right and so and then when I get to watch professional football I'm like oh there is a difference oh it's just I so, tell people all the time college football so is more good. fun college football is more fun yeah right but you see a level of execution in the NFL that you just you don't get in college oh. football and you have to appreciate it they're two different kinds of football it's so good. It, it, One's just God. fun. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is just really, really high, high level shit. Oh my gosh. Most it's, of the time. Yeah. And so I bring my high level shit mind and watch college football. And it's like, oh my God. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> How could you do that? It's like, oh my God. Did you not see that? Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh my God. It's, I can see you watching. <laughs> it's like so frustrating at times to watch. And I used to laugh because my man, John Vilma, when. He was covering college football. He's like, dude, it's so much bad ball out here in college. Oh, yeah. He's like, and he had to watch more than the SEC. So he was like, dude, it is bad ball. I've been watching my team play it on Saturdays for years. <laughs> he's like, I can testify some of these ACC, Pac-12 defense, bad, bad ball, bro. He's like, like I don't even know what they even teaching the kids. Like, Because one thing, and I'm going to mention this a little bit on my show on Saturday, Kyle, is that which one? Uh, SEC Nation. Saturday morning. Yeah, like three that. of them. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate, appreciate the free plug. <laughs> SEC Nation. You Saturday added a third one. You got Roman with Roman now. You got yeah, that going? Yeah, I got that too. Roman with Roman. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I'm all over the place, baby. Dude, I was laughing my ass off. You roaming around Nashville on the scooter. I was like, Roman with Roman. Why didn't we think of that? That's pretty damn good. Because <laughs> uh, I like to ride my bike and they paying me for it. Um, anyway, bad ball being coached. Yes. Ahead. And he's just like, you're sitting there, and I don't know where these kids' eyes need to be at. They don't know where they're supposed to be doing. And the, the biggest thing is that, you know, Kyle, when you're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids in sports, they want to do what the coach is telling them. Like, it ain't like in the pros where I'm like, bro, I've been in eight, nine years. I'm like, nah. Like, you tell me, I'm like, nah, I'm doing it my way. Like, I've been doing this. And I make more money than you. Like, shut up. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how often that card gets pulled sometimes. <laughs> every once in a while. Every once in a while, <laughs> it's like, right, right. but the coach knows. The coach will back yeah, off I've before. I've been doing this for nine yeah. years. They pay me all this money because I know what I'm yeah. doing. It's a player-driven league. Right. Like, you're going to be good when I'm good. So I think I'm good. Let me handle my business. I and if that. I mess it up, then you can correct me. I love it. But that. I've been doing it this way. Like, this is how I do it. Oh, and yeah. then the coach is like, well, just let him do it. Like, yeah. this, he said he's going to do it. Let him do it. That's what pros do. <laughs> right? I had a cover three drop that I did in New Orleans completely ass backwards. But it, like, felt comfortable to me. And then when I tried to do it the way the coach was telling everybody else to do it, my DC Greg was like, "Why are you doing it that way?" I'm like, "I'm trying to like praise like, fuck, fuck that like, do you, like, do you? Yeah, it's fine. They're like, why are we trying to make you do something that you're uncomfortable with? Just do what you do. Like, like that's that. the difference. I Versus like, like college, we got one way to do it. This coach is in a meeting room. Hey, this is how we do it here. This is how we do it here. This is how we do it here. And so the players naturally want to do what the coaches are telling them to do." But the coaches ain't telling them what the, what the hell to do <laughs> in, like, certain situations, like how to, like, really play ball. 
then like you got no chance. And half of these kids have no chance. And it's purely because like, what are they being taught? Like I see things and I see mistakes in college football all the time. And I'm like, this is like simple stuff. So that's what makes Dion so fascinating to me. Yes, because not only can he teach you, but he can actually show you. And he has seen it through his own eyes. Like, I think that's the advantage I have when I watch defensive backs and playing. Like, I, I talk to – when I talk to some of my coworkers, Kyle, and, like, they're talking about this and this and this, and I'm like, well, actually, if you do it like this – and, like, they were like – they're just fascinated because they haven't been in my lane before. I've done it at a high level for a very long time. So, like, my stories, like and – and I've learned how to do it all from mistakes. So it wasn't like – Everything was taught to me. Like a lot of this was I learned some things. I learned from other players and I learned from mistakes. So I learned how to keep myself out of that position. And how did I do that? It was just, you know, trial and error. A lot of trial and error, Kyle. No, that makes sense to me. Um, but that, again, that's why, because I'm, I'm watching Dion. And Shadur, by the way, can just flat out play. I didn't know. He was that good. I didn't either, and I, and I, I real we all realized at week one that if you didn't, if you hadn't, like I watched him play at Jackson State, mm-hmm. and you know I was like, okay. Well, you he, blame the competition. I think he's got better targets. Right. I think the whole things, the whole operation better. The well, OC's and, and, better. I think everything's better. It is, and admittedly, watching him at Jackson State, I wasn't able to you know completely gauge the competition that he was playing at times. And so I was fascinated to see what he do at Colorado. Man, he came out just slinging that thing. Um, you know, and he was so much fun to watch. Like a first rounder in week one, but then I was like, okay, so is this Dion like teaching these guys and really coaching them up? I'm not. I wasn't shortchanging him. I was like, or is this Dion flipping the roster? And does he have an eye for athletes and who can play? Is that what this is? Now, I, I know the answer can be both, but like right away, what is it? Did Dion just does he have a better idea of who can play, who can run, who can who looks like they're a, like they're a dog for a better you know lack of a better term. Or, you know, is this Dion doing some high-level teaching already? What it, What is it to you when you watch it already? Um, I, I think he's 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 changed, flipped, completely flipped the roster. I think these kids play with more confidence now. Oh, they there's have no a shortage sense, of confidence. They have, yeah, they have a sense of swagger. speeches like that a, every a week. A sense of belief, a sense of uh, having purpose. A lot of these kids at Colorado didn't have purpose. They didn't think that they could win. Oh, yeah. And so the mindset at Colorado has changed. And so – Right now, they're rolling in like, not only we can we win, we're going to win. Yeah. And we're not only going to win, we're going to dominate. And so they're doing some really good things. I, I think the offensive coordinator is a, uh, is, a, is a hats off, like a really good play caller. Um, but it's the difference between being a great play caller and a head coach. So I'm not trying to crown him and say he's going to be a next head coach. I'm not doing that that far. But, but you don't have to do that to win national championships in college football. Dabo but, Sweeney's not that. Yeah, exactly. But you got to be a great CEO, great motivator, have everybody yeah. all together. And Dabo's trending down right now. So, um, Well, yeah, but, no, but, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. But what Dion's been able to do, man, I give him all the credit in the world. The thing is, is like nobody should be surprised, Kyle, because Dion has been high-level successful at every avenue of his life. Even when nobody was watching, he was still really good. Yeah. I mean, he got drafted coming out of high school, all right, to the Yankees. Yeah. Got drafted coming out of high school. All right. I love the, he, he, I love watching these young bucks realize and see the highlights of him with that with that Jerry curl and that Yankees uniform and that Braves yeah. uniform yeah. and that Reds uniform. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy could on a baseball field <laughs> was unreal to watch. Yeah. So so Kyle, like for those that don't know, like I grew up in Alabama and Deion Sanders was on a poster board 
on my wall growing up. Like, and he's outside of my hallway right now. The one picture I have in my hallway is of Deion Sanders as a football player with the Cowboys yep. praising praising the God on the star after a touchdown return. And 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 high, signed, right? Yeah, yeah, it is signed. Yeah. And so and then in in high school and growing up, he was on my wall for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. As a baseball player. Yeah. Because I was a huge Braves fan. So I'm like, this guy has been the cream cream of the crop forever in every other avenue that he's ever been in. And then he coached high school. And he talked and he was on TV and was really great at TV as well. Yeah, it was good. He just walked <laughs> away because he was like, you know what? I'm really going to put more time and the effort into coaching. Yeah. And pour into these young kids that like, that's where his heart is at. And so he's doing it for bigger reasons than him. He don't, Dion ain't got to do none of this for, for him. This is for like literally everybody else. And it's continued, and anybody that doubts him, I'm just like, dude, you're dumb. That's like down Tom Brady. Like it just, this guy's been successful. Not only successful, but great yeah. at everything. He was got Under Armour sponsors to wherever he went to. All right. He was getting all kinds of different deals and people paid. I mean, Nike's bringing back the, the Dion shoes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't well, doing that. Well, Shadur, his son wore them in the yeah. first game. And like, yeah. that was one of the coolest little sub, subplots of that game. I was like, oh, that's so cool. He got his dad's shoes remade yeah. so that he could wear them. Yeah, I bought those shoes in junior high. It was like, awesome. I spent, I didn't, I didn't eat lunch for like two weeks. My parents <laughs> were giving me lunch money. I didn't eat lunch for like two weeks, just scavenging. It <laughs> <laughs> bought me some shoes. Oh, that's fantastic, like, bro. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, he's, he's so, I mean, just again. You know, you you, you got to be able to teach, but in college, you know, as you know, you got to be able to motivate. You got to be able to get all these guys moving in the right direction. And so, when you got a guy like I'm listening to that speech, and you know, if you've ever been in a locker room, you know, even in high school, like you know what it's like when a, a locker room full of dudes are all fired up together. It's it's unique. There aren't many experiences like it. But watching that Colorado locker room, you know, when he's giving that speech and he's like, "We're not coming no more," and he pauses, and it, the, you could hear the light. You see the light bulb start to turn on for a couple of those guys, and you hear him start to mutter, "We're here." We're here. And all of a sudden, they all start roaring it. And it's like the energy in that room at different. that moment, oh, my God. It's different. You can see it on the screen. So imagine what it felt like in that room. And that's an effect that, that a lot of coaches don't have on a locker room. Kyle, a lot of coaches don't walk around with cameras everywhere they go. That's oh, that Dion's too. secret sauce. There's that, too. And that's why I think in college he's so unique and so special. Most coaches in college – Ego gets in the way or they're just scared that somebody's always trying to get them. They, they can't let all this full access. Dion's the same all the time. He's like, bro, I'm, I've been like this. Like, I ain't camera, yeah. all the people hating on me. Like, all oh, that yeah. stuff is all. He does not care about does not care. anybody's opinion of him. No been that way. Yeah. Been that way. He's the same guy that was riding around in a uh, Mercedes golf cart. Yes. Practice before everybody was doing it. Yeah. Do rags before everybody was doing it. Must be the money that's turning me. <laughs> Rapping and doing all that before anybody. He did what he wanted, man. <laughs> he was. This has been prime time forever. Yep. And so I'm glad that everybody else in this young generation is getting hip to it. He will continue to recruit and get really good players to come to Colorado. It's going to be tough to get him to go to Boulder. Uh, it's just locationally, it's just a little bit more difficult. But, know, man. There's a lot of money out there. It is a lot of money. But, you know. That program didn't even care about it until Dion got there. I'm no, that's just saying. true. NFL is going to come after him soon. Oh, uh, yeah, but I, I don't think he has the same advantage in the NFL. I think he should stay in college and really continue to pour into these kids. I, I think oh, that's, I'm not going to argue with that. That's what his mission is to do because 
His advantage is the recruiting. Yeah. That is his advantage. Oh, and to yeah. be able to go to the transfer portal and say, come on home. You know what I'm saying? Oh, come he on home. Crush it. He could and crush it. And he will continue to crush it because more and more kids are seeing this and be like, I mean, my coach is lame as shit. Yeah. Compared to Prime. Like, yeah. if Prime want me, why would I not go? Yeah. I mean, look, Travis Hunter's the best spokesman he'll ever have for the rest of his life so long as Travis Hunter's on. <laughs> I mean. Well, Travis Hunter was number one player in, the, in, in high school, according to some sources. Right. One or number two, depending on who you ask. And literally, he was like, I'm going to Coach Prime because I'm trusting him. Why would I not go to the best DB corner of all time? If I can learn from anybody – why would I not learn from him? Well, and, just, and he did that not only with Travis Hunter, but then he went and got this past year's number one corner in the country as well. Yep. And brought him over to Boulder. Well, and just think about it from a, from a human point of view, too. I mean, go back to when you were being recruited and your parents were involved. Like, what does every parent want for their kid? They want to send them somewhere where they can trust the word no of the guy. You know he's telling you what he thinks. You know he's yeah. telling you the truth. You know that he got his can, own boys there. Right. You don't think I'm going to take care of your son? Right. I'm taking care of my own. Yeah. I mean, this man is so authentic. When asked who was the most athletic person he's ever met, was it Bo Jackson? Said no, it was my cousin Junebug, the crackhead, <laughs> who I could never catch. <laughs> and then said, but yeah, then yeah, after that, probably Bo Jackson. And like told the story of his cousin Junebug, the crackhead, who would steal shit, and he'd have to go back in and get it back from the gangs. And he said, but I could never catch him. And that's why he said that Junebug was the greatest athlete of all time. That is awesome. But that's who he, like, that was his life, and he doesn't give a fuck what you think of it. Like, he took, pardon my language, he, like, he just, that's him. Yeah. And so you can trust a guy like that. You can trust a guy who just is that open and honest. You yeah. know, who, this is who He's I am, authentic. it's where I'm from, it's, this is what I'm about. And it's authentic. It's not even a question. But anyway, I, I just thought he was awesome. I want to get back to the, uh, the NFL for a second, though, because I got, we got a lot of people that do listen to us locally here in Charlotte. We have listeners in Belgium. Right and Colombia, oh, South yeah. America, but can't Bel wait. Can't wait to come. Uh, shout out to Belgium. Can't wait to come to Germany. I know, but like we we have most of our listeners, at least I think anyway, are here in the Charlotte area. Um, Bryce Young Sunday, they lost to the Falcons on the road, and as I told you two weeks ago, I come in on the Mondays, and sometimes I just you know these people, it's like I love them to death, but there are a few <laughs> crazies out there that just you know test the. Test my patience and all week one. It's a meltdown. Should have drafted Anthony Richardson. Frank Reich was a mistake. Brian Burns, or I'm sorry, J.C. Horn is a bum. He's a bust. He's I mean, just J.C.'s hurt again, huh? Hamstring. Yeah, it's not great. Going to miss a couple of weeks. But I, um, I, I, I told you I worry about the injury bug. Did you, but you saw the two picks that he threw to Jesse Bates. Uh, no. You did really? Hmm. You've been that tied up with? Okay. All right. I got to pull him up for you. I heard about it. Okay. Well, now so, I'm, I'm going to send you the clips real quick while we're talking. Because as a former safety, I want to know what you think. Because it felt like Bryce threw the same pick twice. Well, But, but it, otherwise, so, I thought so, he played well. Number one, I, I told you this, Kyle. Bryce Young is in the most unique situation I've ever seen for any first-round top-tier quarterback drafted in the NFL since I've been following the NFL. Every time I've seen a quarterback drafted number one or top five, whatever – you usually go to a team that sucks, all right? That's usually the caveat. You go, go to a bad team. I just texted you the, the clip. All right. And then, so you got that. And so, okay, this is going to be really good. He's watching the clip, folks. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. There's no deep threat on the field. DJ Chark's hurt. 
they don't really have a you know take a, take the top off the defense guy yeah. out there. So so and what so, he's doing is he's just playing the eyes of a young quarterback. Yep. Young quarterback don't know how. To, look at the second one. He, he, young he, quarterback hasn't look. This is the league. You you can't just look over there the whole time. Yeah. Because that deep middle of the field safety that you think's gonna be the middle of the field. He he's just looking at you. He's like, bro, I'm not gonna go back there if he's gonna throw it here. So as soon as this Bryce, is this is simple stuff. Right now, what, the second one very similar. Right All after right, the first one, Bryce it. walks off the field, patting his chest, telling Frank Reich right away, "That's on me." Didn't see Bates. Um, the second one, you know, I think he's go, I think he's throwing that ball to Terrace Marshall Jr. Maybe so the first time he's going to Hayden Hurst across the middle, well placed ball, but you know Jesse Bates jumps it, and this time he's got a crossing route. I think it's Marshall coming across the backside of the play. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but then Bates gets him again. Yeah, this looks like a um, very similar situation. So, I, I would say this. Jesse Bates, that's what he brought him in to do. Um, Shout out Wake Forest. He's a good football you, player. And if you, yeah, he is. And so, especially early, this is when you take advantage of these quarterbacks, these rookie quarterbacks early in the year, early in the season, early in their career, when they're not used to playing against NFL quality safeties where I can line up at 18, 20 yards and you think I'm going to be this deep middle field safety. Yeah. But I ain't going nowhere. Right. I'm, you know, and if you throw it over my head, then I'll go and react to it. But, dude, I'm waiting on something to jump right here in this, like, in-cut range from 15 to 12, 15, 18 yards. Like, that's what they do. Right. The really good ones do, especially really good free safeties where I'm just sitting here just hiding off in the weeds like a little lion in the safari. Just sitting here hiding off. Like a cheetah. Just just waiting on him and then go. <laughs> like, that is what this game is. And so when somebody told me about it, I'm like, oh, I would totally do that. I would sit back there and act like I'm looking somewhere else. But the whole time, I'm like, body's telling me I'm going this way. I'm going opposite of where I'm showing. And then I'm just going to go jump something and trust it. And so that's what it was. It's These things are correctable. Back to my original thought process is come to, when it comes to Bryce Young. I've never seen it before, Kyle, where literally everybody – um, you draft him to the Carolina Panthers. I haven't heard one person say they question Bryce Young and his ability to no. play quarterback in the NFL. They shouldn't. Literally every question that has concern, because most times you draft a quarterback to a bad team, they're like, okay, can this quarterback be the one to make them better? Can this quarterback, or if the team's not that bad, can this quarterback be the quarterback that elevates the team enough to where now they get to the promised land or to the playoffs, take that next step? And so none of those questions are being asked about Bryce Young. The, all the questions about the Carolina Panthers team are about everything else around Bryce Young. And so do they have enough receivers, enough threats at the receiver position? Can the offensive line protect Bryce Young enough? Can the defense really step up and be as good as they were last year and give them a chance to stay in each and every game? All the question marks around everything else, Kyle, about this team except Bryce Young. That is the most unique, and I've never seen it before, for a first-round quarterback. I've never seen this before. Literally, the question mark is about everything else. It has nothing to do with Bryce Young. No. And, they're, and, they're, and when he had two interceptions, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I don't really care. Shout out to Hayden Hurst who threw the ball in the stands. Bryce's first touchdown pass. Hopefully somebody gets it back to him. Can we please find the ball? That was hilarious. No, it was hilarious. And if you watch, and I know, you, again, your, your nose is mostly an SEC tape these days. but you know, I recorded the game, though. Well, sure. But, but and I watched some of the highlights. I mean, look. Carolina still got to be able to stop the run. They got to be better. Look, it's the first day. No quarterback rookie first-round overall pick has won their first game. Like, it hasn't happened yet. David Carr was the last one to do it 20 years ago. There it is. Yeah, in the last 20 years. So, including Bryce now, in the last 20 years, 
debuts for number one overall pick quarterbacks. They are 0-14-1. Yeah. All time. Nobody wins that game. No. <laughs> it's just... And the thing is, if you watch the response touchdown, Bryce throws the pick to Bates, the first one, sets him up on the 17-yard line. Of course, they're professional athletes. They're going to cash that one in. They did. Thousand percent. It's 7 nothing, right? So Bryce gets the ball back and methodically takes them down the field. You know, and then snaps one out to Hayden Hurst in the flat. And I do mean snaps. It takes the snap, quick snap out to the flats. Hurst scores. I mean, it's a thing of beauty going back down the field to respond. Yeah. And it's like if you watch that drive and you see the ball placement, you see his feet, you see the calm in the pocket, you see the, the way that he knew where to go And he the still football. got sacked how many times? Five? No, who, Bryce? Bryce, in the game. No, no only twice. And okay. It was in the last five minutes okay, you know, yeah. when, they, when they were down two scores and they was throwing the football. Okay. Offensive line was great on Sunday for the most part. Um, the rookie, Chandler Zavala, played like a beast. Um, they did. They gave up one hurry. That was it in the first half. Good. And then they gave up uh, the two sacks in the final six minutes when they were down 24-10. And, of course, everybody knows you're throwing the football, and they pin their ears back and went after him. Um, but otherwise, the offensive line looked really good. All, all that preseason concern, I'm not saying it won't you know, flare back up at any point, but they were really good on Sunday. So you saying the, are you comparing the O line to tendonitis? A bitch flares up every now and then. <laughs> God, I hope not. Is that what you just did? I hope sorry, not. sorry if I use another. No, it's okay. Okay, it's okay. No, but I, I think if you watch that that response touchdown, for most of us anyway, you see he's fine. Like yeah, if, it's, if you're it, a Panthers fan, you have no reason to be overly anxious right now. Of course, this could all go wrong. I mean, Frank Reich was once with Andrew Luck, and then he just quit football. So things can always go wrong in some way, shape, or form. Mostly outside factors. But you've got a quarterback now. I agree. He's the guy. I agree. If you protect him, he's going to be your guy he's for the fine. next several years. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I thought it was – that conversation needs to be had. I don't think enough people are having that conversation. That is, it's this weird, unique situation where I've never seen it before, Kyle, where nobody's asking questions about the quarterback. Question about everything else. So, um, what well, and people need to people need to because they've missed the playoffs for five straight years. Here, people are really tired of losing. And, and I'm not saying it's the the greatest fan base in the NFL or anything like that. But you know, there are a lot of people who love this football team, who are invested in this football team financially and otherwise. You know, and they've seen five straight years with no playoffs. And this might be an organization that's never had back-to-back winning seasons or whatever. But they they never went that long without making the playoffs. No, so, and I, I'm only reason I'm can. I just don't like some of the decisions that they made up top throughout these whole five oh, years. Oh, there's some questionable stuff, man. So, so be honest about it. I told you, Kyle, you already, I've been saying it for going on six months now. I, the Panthers had to earn my fandom back. I wasn't going to be a fan. I was going to make them earn it. Because Steve Wilkes didn't get the job, right? Exactly. And then they bought me off by drafting Bryce. And so <laughs> I'm naturally in, all right? <laughs> I'm in. And I can't wait to see him play against uh, Monday night versus uh, New Orleans Saints. It's going to be a great, great, great game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to see if I'm going to go to it or not. I don't know. Uh, my son would love to go. But I know, and you know, it's going to be so late on a Monday night, school night. That's hard, man. It's so hard because – and the thing is, is like, man, I would take him on the sideline. I want my boys on the sideline. Like, let him see it. He'd be so – Fire. Oh, up. I can't wait to get there. And so um, I'm going to see if I can maybe sneak him in for a little bit and then leave at halftime. But well, that's a good plan. You know what I mean? And uh, well, get I, him that's like I, when the, the game ended on Sunday, you know, I, I was I actually enjoyed watching Bryce so much outside of the two picks. I was like, I can't wait for Monday. <laughs> like, I, they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. And so that's if, fine. So if you look at it through that lens and you're asking for improvement, you want to see that Bryce just looks competent. Like, give me more. Like Sunday was cool. It, it sucked. Don't get me wrong. It sucked to lose. Because they were the better team throughout most of that the afternoon. Um, I know that you know some people say that you can't say that because they lost the game, but they you know they 
outgained them in yards, passing yards, first downs. I mean, everything. Carolina was the better team on the field. They just turned it over three times. Yep. Miles Sanders caught – you just paid Miles Sanders more money than any running back got this offseason to not do what he did in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he took accountability for it. But, yeah. you know, you can't cough the football up in that situation. Yeah. And he they knows said Chuba it. Hubbard played well, too. They, so. If they, you count the turnover on downs, because they went for it on the opening drive, on fourth and short, yeah. um, which I didn't hate. Feels like, you know, you can always do the hindsight thing where it's, you know, be the armchair GM. They yeah. should have taken the points. That one felt like, you know, Bryce's first game, probably going to be low scoring. Maybe taking the points would have been the better thing. Yeah. But they didn't get it. And so if you count that, of course, four turnovers, can't do that four times and expect to win a yeah, football yeah. game. Yeah. You know, you, you know, know that. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? And we'll learn from it. We live and you learn. It's all good. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Carolina Panthers team, how they continue to grow. And most importantly, Bryce Young and his adventure. Uh, and what he's going to mean to this city going forward. He is the quarterback of the future, and they should feel better. I mean, they act because look, you're not even in the conversation until you get a quarterback. Now you got a quarterback, you can at least be in the conversation. Right. You're not going to jump the line. You got your quarterback, but that doesn't mean you're also going to just jump the line and skip all the other process stuff that has to take place while those young quarterbacks grow. Like you just said, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Matt Stafford, they all threw three interceptions in their NFL debuts. Trevor yeah. Lawrence threw we three. We played against Matt Stafford and his dude. Train oh, wreck. that was y'all, wasn't it? Oh, train wreck. Killed them. You like, picked him three times. Yeah, we killed them. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like, yeah. <laughs> yes, we were there for that. <laughs> and Darren Sharper just sat there and waited on him, boy. Just, uh oh, thank you. Yeah. House call. Like, yeah. it was like, yes. Yes, sir. Welcome we did to the that. NFL, right? Yeah, welcome to the NFL. And we, we knew it. Um, the other quarterback was, um, we played that Mark Sanchez rookie year as well. Oh, yeah. And so... We got a hold of Mark Sanchez a couple weeks later, and we had him two or three picks too. So, well, a sack fumble, interception for six, and so he had a couple turnovers against us. And that's what happens when you're dealing with rookie quarterbacks. I mean, I wouldn't they say – have Al to find balance. Yes. And like, okay, when do I take a shot? When do I not? How do I look guys off? Because those are things that you don't always have to worry about as much, and you're not going to get these same looks in practice. The in practice – Defenses are playing off the cards. They're going to do what the card tells them to do. Well, you know what? And that when you're playing against the opposite team that studies you as well, they're not going to do what that card says. Mm -mm. They're going to do, like I told the coach, like, dude, I got this. I've been doing this for eight years. I got it. Yep. So I'm going to show here, but I'm going to go get this one, all right? And then when they do, the coach is just celebrating it, even though you're supposed to be on the other side of the field. But you go pick one off on the other side, then you're good. Would you like to talk about the fact that after all this realignment and all the bullying that the SEC and the Big Ten have been doing in college football, that Pac-12's got the best uh, record? Pac-12's got eight top 25 teams. The ACC's got the best record against other Power 5 teams. I, <laughs> Whooping the SEC in primetime head-to-head. I love that. the I, I spoke about this. I think I talked to you about it. Was that I was excited this year for a couple of different reasons in college football because of the diversity I thought was going to happen. That we think we know, but I don't think – I don't think it was going to work out that way. It was going to be way more diversified than it had ever been, well, in recent history. And Alabama losing to Texas. First of all, Alabama earned that loss. Texas earned that win. Alabama, Texas outcoached them, outhit them, outplayed them. And Florida State did the same thing to LSU the week before. Yeah. They outcoached them, outplayed them, outhit them. And you just didn't see that happening. But once you watch the tape, like, I totally see it. Yeah. And Florida State's probably a better team than LSU. And I don't know if Texas is completely a better team than Alabama, but they played better that day, period, point blank. You do not take that from Texas at all. And neither am I trying to water it down or anything. But that's what happens. You can't tell me 
that Texas was supposed to be favored. Or I, I thought that Texas was better in Tuscaloosa. No way. But they outplayed them that day and they outcoached them. They played more aggressive. And Alabama didn't adjust. And when you don't adjust and you think you're just going to be able to just keep going, you end up like the Carolina Panthers versus the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 50. You end up losing the team, losing a game where I, I think Texas and Alabama are closer in talent overall than what Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers in 2015 were. But that's what happens when yeah. you play the game. You roll the ball out there and let, the, let, let it go where it goes, and that's what happened. And the plays went to Texas way more than it did Alabama, and they won that game. And um, the ACC's sitting all right, but they ain't happy. They're not happy with themselves. And I think the Pac-12 has done a really good job too. And we all knew the Pac-12 was going to be good this year because of what Oregon has, Utah bringing back all those guys like they always do. Yep. USC's only getting better. Um, um, Arizona's viable, but they lost to Mississippi State. So they got some really talented teams in the Pac-12 as well. Uh, it's crazy to me, though, that DJ Uyunglele is playing better at Oregon State. And then when he was the reason why Clemson wasn't good the last year and a half. And now you got Cade Kudlick in, and you're like, mm, he looks real average right now. Well, and so you know, Clemson got dropped from the top twenty-five this week. I um, did not know that. Oh yeah, no, they won sixty-six to seventeen and dropped from twenty-fifth to unranked because that the sixty-six to seventeen was not the full story. Right, right, it was close. It game, was close. They were trailing at home to Charleston Southern in the first half. I think what fourteen-seven. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you watch, it was funny. I got Eric McLean from the ACC Network on with me every Monday, and yep. uh, he's former Clemson, you know, offensive Clemson lineman. lineman. Yep. And I asked him. I said, you know, how do you, what did we learn? I said, how do you feel? Do you feel better? I don't forget exactly how I phrased the question. And he paused and he goes, I felt a lot better after the second half of that game than I did. And I started laughing and I was like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I don't, maybe it's unexpected because Clemson just has been given that benefit of the doubt now yeah. for years and they earned it, right? They earned it. For but sure. They got dropped out of the top 25 after a, what, a, a 49 point win. That's crazy. For that to happen. Well, it also means that other teams are playing better. Yeah. Like, you yeah. got to give those teams credit, too. Like, you only get to reap the benefits of your past for so long. The, the, the one thing I love about football is that you don't get to take the success of your previous years with you forward. Like, you, but only but so far. And so, you still got to live up to that hype. Uh, Duke beat them. Um, and for the first time, you didn't see, like, okay, well – you know, when you make these mistakes like Clemson did versus Duke a couple weeks ago, when you're way better than that team, like if me and you played against my daughter and my son in football, like we could make mistakes, Kyle, we'd still probably win the game. Right. If you've got a talent advantage, <laughs> yeah. most often they're gonna, talent's going to figure out a way to win the game. Correct. They and, don't have that talent advantage and anymore. They don't have that talent advantage anymore. And that's like blatantly, you're seeing it. Can you I mean, think about the stud wide receivers that have come through that program over the past eight years? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, Martavis Bryant, T. Higgins, Sammy Watkins. Um, I'm forgetting one or two, I'm sure. But, like, they've just produced stud after the stud. The one that balled out versus Alabama in the championship game with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, too. I forget his name. Yeah. I mean, he, they, he, he got hurt his neck. But, yes. I they, know they've had do, so many dudes on that roster at that position. They don't have any dudes at that position right now. No, not, not like that's like a game not breaker. Not like that top tier guy and, right you know and so that's part of it and you're looking around you're like okay Clemson's just going to get it right they're just Clemson and it doesn't work that way especially in today's times where you can't just stack talent guys are leaving transfer portals real uh NIL availability is also real at other schools now so instead of being second third on that guy I'll just come over here and start yeah and you're gonna pay me a little bit of money to do it I'll do it 
Well, and there's the obviously the fact that Dabo has refused to use the transfer portal, and you know he it has been to their detriment at this it's, point. It's it, I, at, I at this point, I, it, it gets a little bit frustrating listening to Dabo talk about those things. He has to change. He doesn't have a choice at this point. Well, I mean, they're going to put it, pressure on him to change, or you know, his job security is going to become an actual conversation. Yeah, um, because they they've put too much money into this program to you know watch it. To watch him, you know, ride down the backside of the hill on principle alone, like I get it, I understood your principle. What, what your is conviction. the principle of it? Well, though? again, I'm not saying he's right, but you know, if you think that what's happening with the combination of the NIL and the portal is detrimental to college football, you know, and you're going to take a stand against it, you won't, you're not going to participate in it. I get it if you think that that's the solution, but you're not stopping it. Clearly. You know, you know what frustrates me, Kyle, is that you sit up there on your high horse and you say like, oh, we'll, you know, the day guys get paid around here is like the day I'll retire. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure guys on your roster are getting paid. Whether you want to talk about it or act like you don't know about it or not, uh, I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. I mean, I actually I know they are. I'll go, I'll, I'll go as far as to say that. And so um, it, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. And I think Dabo's gotten to where he's been so successful. I don't know how many people he's actually listening to inside that building outside of his own self. And so you got to still at all times be able to adjust, still always be in a place of, all right, I'm willing to learn, and I'm constantly being in a place where I need to grow and get better and evolve, constantly. The moment you stop trying to do that is the moment you really start to fall backwards. Yeah. And you're always – if people looking at Clemson are always so focused on Georgia, Alabama, who else is in front of me, Ohio State, maybe Michigan at times, those aren't the ones you need to be worried about. It's the ones behind you. Oh, yeah. That are passing you by. They're coming, yeah, for sure. That are coming, Florida State. Well, um, Florida State's like back, back in my mind, uh, and and I'm not saying they're like national championship good this year. You don't think so? They could be. I'm not. You don't saying think that, so? I know. No, I'm not. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm. I need to see another game or two where you know they show me some consistency. Um, but I like him a lot, and I and I felt like Mike Norvell after he got after he weathered that initial storm earlier in his tenure there, and they started to gradually get better, and then we saw what they did last year. I was like, okay, this guy's competent. This guy knows how to build. This guy knows how to coach, and they might be there. But you know, they brought in Keon Coleman. Right. Mm-hmm. Keon Coleman, a kid from Louisiana who was at Michigan State, who's six four, two thirty. Like Clemson couldn't have used that guy. <laughs> like, why is Dabo not on the phone trying to get Keon Coleman in the portal? Right. Why? Why is that not a thing? So, it, again, I understand, you know, just generally speaking, standing on conviction. That and Keon Coleman you, boy ball. He can ball. Right. I understand standing ball. on principle and conviction if you truly believe in something. But at this point, you got to look around if you're Dabo and be like, yeah, I, I, this is what it is now. I, you either adjust or you're going to get run out of here, man. Clemson is – they love you. They'll always appreciate what you did. But if you don't change and, you know, look how many times Nick Saban has adapted. He hated the spread offense. He hated the RPO specifically. And then he became the best at it, right? <laughs> so you've got – Dabo's going to have to try to do something similar. Otherwise, he's not going to last too much longer. And I'm not saying it's overnight, but, you know – we already see what's happening. They look like a declining program. The talent's not the same as it was. No. And it's a hard standard to meet every single year. Um, but, you know, once you've set that standard, if you don't meet it, we all know what happens at some point. Yeah, we're ready to move on. Right. Like, it, that's just part of the I deal. I saw the Alabama message boards this weekend. I know what they're saying about Nick Saban. Oh, right my now. gosh. It's yeah. crazy to me. <laughs> crazy. A little bit. I mean, Alabama fans are so spoiled. And, yes, I'm saying it. They're spoiled. Spoiled. Right. Spoiled. All right. <laughs> rotten. Spoiled rotten. And so, look, at the end of the day, your team got outplayed. Now, what I would try and say is I think Alabama, look, 
if this is the quarterback, Jalen Milrow, if he's your quarterback, then you need to stop just trying to – right now I feel like Alabama as a whole is trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And if this is your quarterback, he's your best option, which I think he's still a pretty good quarterback, especially in college because he can run around and create. And that stuff works in college. Is that why don't you build an offense a little bit more conducive to what he may do better instead of just running this whole Bryce Young, Mac, Mac Jones – slash two offense where they had like star wide receivers everywhere. Not saying Alabama's lacking in receivers as much as they were. Uh, I think they're better. But like the quarterback situation is different. And so you should maybe do a little bit more direct runs, some more pistol formation, some more underneath the center where I can get play action, then get on the edges a little bit more. I didn't see not one wide receiver screen. You got Texas defensive line ripping up the field on you all day long. And instead of just turning around – kidding it and then throwing it out there to a receiver for a screen or something and making these guys actually have to chase guys and slowing them down that way, um, I would say they could do better in those things. So being able to adjust for Alabama I think is important and learning and growing as a team is important. I think they like each other. And you lose the Texas game, your season's not even close to over. No. All you got to do is just go win. It's still not a conference game yet. Just go win. (laughs) Just go win. Just go win. (laughs) If you win the SEC, you're getting in. You're fine. Yeah. You're yeah. fine. Yeah. You could probably lose to a SEC t- Georgia in the SEC championship and still have a chance, depending on what's going on. For sure. Because that Texas loss could end up being the best loss that anybody has on the schedule. If you look up. Quinn te- Ewers might be – I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. You know, we came into the season, Caleb Williams, Drake May, 1-2 in some order. Um, but Shadur Sanders is in that conversation right now. And after what Quinn Ewers did against Alabama, he's not – I don't think he's quite in the first-round conversation, but if he does it again, he will be. So, so Quinn Ewers has good arm strength, really great arm strength. He has the ability to stand tall, throw the ball, deliver it where it needs to be. I think he's in a very quarterback-friendly offense right now yeah. under Sarkeesian, and they got some really good wide receivers. They got a couple of good wide receivers on the outside that really helps them. But the way the package is presented, the things that they're trying to do, he does a really good job with. The thing I worry about with Quinn Ewers is once – he gets pressure or things get off schedule, he's not that good. Alabama, I think they only pressured him like once, twice. Like yeah. They didn't get there at all. He wasn't sacked. So you, he looked worse versus Rice the week before. Rice sacked him four times and got after him. He did not play good. So if teams that pressure him and get after him, they're going to have problems with him. Alabama didn't do a good job of that. And because of that, they suffered on the other end. And Quinn Ewers looked great. So everybody has a little bit of deficiencies in the game. I think Caleb Williams has the least amount of deficiencies in his game as a quarterback. Um, Drake May still has – he's still throwing too many interceptions. And uh, I I think he's seeing some things that aren't there and forcing things. It's the same thing you saw with Josh Allen. Josh Allen forced a ton of throws that he he wants back as far as Monday night is concerned. even trying to be Superman running the ball sometimes. I'm like, dude, just get down. Like, I don't need you trying to jump over defenders. I, I don't know. He's – I mean, I'm not a quarterback's coach. He's, he doesn't seem like he's getting any better. Just – I mean, he doesn't seem like he's learning, right? He, he makes – and he even he, – he said it in the post-game press conference. He said it was the same old shit, same mistakes. Okay, well, you're saying it. You're doing the same things over and over again. You're making bad decisions with the football, three interceptions. Why are you trying to hurdle a dude on, on third and long? Right, you're not at Wyoming anymore. You, you're not, you know, a better athlete than most of the defense. You're going to get hurt doing that. Like we, we know you're big, we know you're strong, but even Cam Newton, you know, had a limit on how much punishment that he could take. And by 32 years old, he was out of the league. Yeah, you're not immune to that. 
So, you know, it's just – it's crazy. I, I think that – I mean, they've got a ton of talent on that team. But it, to me, it's him. He's got to be better or they're not going to win a Super Bowl. I, I agree. Um, and the competition's hard. Like, they're in a tough, tough division. Dude. T- not as tough now. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, but still tough. But two in Miami. Oh. Bro, dude, they putting up numbers, dog. But you're not worried about Miami? Tua Gracie, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, Tua Gracie. That guy. You see that tat, bro? <laughs> life is over. Life is changed. He told Ryan Clark he was about that action. Yeah, I mean, he did. He, he did say that. Dude, um, that's. It's like we might have to get a little frisky. Yeah, and Ryan Clark, they, him and, um, him and uh, DC, they, they cover, uh, uh, for those that don't, uh, Daniel Cormier. Oh, I know. They have a little podcast. They I cover it, MMA dude. all the time. Tua jumps in the gi and gets him a little white belt, man. He's all, he's, I mean, just. Dude, I love yapping. it. I love it, dude. It's, it's in Tua's blood, dog. Oh, I know. It's in his blood. You don't mess with Samoans. No, you don't. So I, I, They're tough people. I think Miami's another team that can be reckoned with. And they got – the thing that Miami's got that most people don't, boy, is they got two burners on the outside. That, that alone scares defense. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, and I don't mean this as a slight to Tua, but when you have a guy who always has five yards of separation because <laughs> like, he's faster than any fucking body on the field, it does make your job easier. Yeah. The guy anyway. The guy's name is I mean, they call him Cheetah for a reason. Like this guy, the fastest moving land animal known to man. Cheetah. Yeah. And then we got our human version, Tyreek Hill. Yes. Which I don't think he's ever lost a race. I I I who's faster? Well, no, my guy Cole Beck at Virginia Tech wants to race Tyreek Hill. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, The guy yeah. you texted me about. Oh, yeah, the, the white Nationals guy. That dude could roll. You should have seen him on punt return the other night. Oh, uh, he's in the league. Oh, I'm sorry, on punt coverage the other night. No, on Blacksburg. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, okay. oh, absolutely. Just a blur down the field making a tackle. Um, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, dude, he's in the league my now? He can fly, bro. He can straight up fly. Yeah. I had no idea who well, he was. They called his name the other night on punt coverage. I was like, whoa, he's making tackles too now, huh? How about that? Um, but, yeah, no, there's uh, – I've always, I've always wanted to know. Like, what was your, you ran a what, a 4-4? Yes, high 4-4s. I mean. And the difference between a 4-4 and a 4-2 is, like, big difference. It's, like, not even close. I, I know. And it's in, if, you, if you're, like, hitting the hand clock, it's not that much. It's like, uh-uh. Right. But, dude, watching a 4-2 run is, like, double taking. I've only seen one in real life with my own eyes. Yeah. And it was, like, a high 4-2. Yeah. But it, like. It sounds differently. I played pickup basketball against a guy who ran a 4-3. And you can't fully appreciate it on a basketball floor. But the explosiveness, yeah. the quickness. You, they, they look different. It's just, I mean, you just they know look different, I'm not guys. the same as him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the same as you. I understand that now. Yeah, it's, uh, it looks different. It feels different. And trying to cover this guy when you, you don't have a contract to say what route he is going to run. Yeah. It's really tough. So we were doing the 40 one time in high school. And I was running the 40, and I kept clocking like the 5-1-somethings. And I was like, I just want to get one that says 5 zero. I don't care if it's 5-0-9. I want a 5-0 so I can say I ran a five-second 40. And, dude, I hit 5-0-9, and it was like I won the Olympic gold. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I won the Olympic gold, man. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny because – I don't even believe it. I think somebody yeah. gave me a favorable clock. I, dude, a five-second 40 compared to like – a four seven is like a big difference. It's a huge difference. And then just and four seven wide receivers are slow. They're possession. Yeah, yeah, like big time slow. And so yeah, I'd be worried about anybody running four seven in the league because I'm like, how they're gonna get open? Right. 
Um, but and, then when you see an offensive lineman who's like 300 and six, 340 pounds running a five flat, you're like, Jesus, that's not natural. Yeah. I mean, but, and, well, I take that back. Some of the defensive linemen running four sixes and four yeah. sevens yeah, is the most terrifying thing you'll ever see. Uh, and I tell anybody, people have asked me, what was the biggest difference, Kyle, between college to the NFL? And playing the SEC, you get against great wide receivers, skilled guys, like see those all the time. But when I got there playing in the Saints, bro, and I saw the size of the linemen, defense and offense alignment and how fast they were oh yeah how agile these guys could change directions and you know it, it just I don't think people appreciate that the speed of the NFL and a lot of people we just look at it on TV but if you ever have the chance to go up close and watch them on a sideline yeah and see how big and how fast that game is and the the level of execution in which they have to play with to get any type of advantage like five a five second 40 is like a you know a sundial to you <laughs> but but imagine as i've explained like your average person on the streets running like a six three right? <laughs> you know what i mean so if you've got offensive linemen that are dude like if six, i ever ran the fives i'd be so <laughs> fuck okay, so th mad thanks for absolutely so destroying mad. my dude, i'm telling you if i ran anywhere <laughs> close to a five i'd be like dude, this is you just quit sports i would i right. would never I, I wouldn't sleep, says the NFL safety. But the average that person's running like sleep. a six three forty on the street, right? <laughs> so then imagine you got left tackles out here hitting the, like a five flat sounds terrible to you, but that man's six forty, three hundred and fifteen pounds, and he's running a five flat forty. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying. It is. Well, because if they ever get up to rolling full speed, nothing stopping. <laughs> nothing stopping them. <laughs> that Trent Williams running a five. Oh, still scariest guy I've ever. You know that. Guy. You know that's you a us, nightmare. I tell, the, I tell your story to other people because it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I'm like, dude, scary man. Yes, absolutely. He's right. still the boogeyman. We, we're, I've got your boy Brandon Miller on my show today, so I got to go do some show prep. Oh, nice. Yeah, the number two overall draft pick, Bama kid. I can't got wait. To, He's. Uh, I can't wait to see how he continues to progress. He's gonna have to put up a little, put on a little bit of weight, get a little bit stronger. But the dude can shoot it. He can yeah. stretch the floor. I think he's going to be a huge asset to this uh, Hornets organization. I I'm glad. Uh, I'm not glad that Jordan sold off the team or his, you know, he's now the, no, no longer the majority stakeholder. But it's going to be really cool to continue to get some juice and some, some things going. Hopefully uh, my boy Marty can hit up Eric Church and we can get some good seats. Yeah, Marty. Hey, Marty. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I got Brandon Miller today and – I'm going to talk more Hornets for the week two of the NFL season. I, I want to know, get a, dig into that Alabama background, too, because he grew up loving Alabama. Like, that was this was the easiest five-star player Alabama's ever going to land. Yeah, but I got to start with the fact that he said Paul George is the GOAT. I got to start with that. That might take a while because, you know, he kind of – Paul George fits his game, though. It kind of does. It fits his game. Like That's, if, we, if we're getting Paul George in the form of Brandon Miller, I'm not going to be mad about it. I was going to say, are you, like, are you really mad I'd at like that? I'd like him to be a little bit better in the playoffs, but, like, I'm not going to be but, mad about that. Man, dude, PG in Indiana for that, like, two or three-year run. He did run, have a good run. That's true. Like, he did have a good run. I, I wanted him so bad. I'm like, dude, I don't want nobody but Paul George. I want Paul George over – LeBron, I wanted Paul George over anybody else when he after that Indiana run. Because, you know, the Lakers, dude, we don't draft. Like, I mean, we draft players great, but, like, we, we don't take downtime well. So we just like, now nah, let's just go pay somebody and bring in the star. Yeah, you that's don't what, have patience. You got money. <laughs> yeah, you that's know. what we do. They, we pay the tax. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. That's right. what we do. I got to go get some work done. We got – now, again, we uh, – this is a every Tuesday thing now. I'm excited about this. Uh, FNZ Radio 1, they're just going to be, you know, amplifying our nonsense every week. We appreciate that. But uh, starting next week, this week, really every Tuesday, we'll, we'll talk to you uh, on a weekly basis. 
I hey, can't man. wait. Yeah, man, we're gonna cut down the BS and let's let's do this, Kyle. So appreciate it, bro. Love Thanks it. for coming by the we'll uh, to, yeah. coming by the uh, Romans retreat. Romans Thank retreat. You. We'll talk to you next week for Roman Harper. I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard. Be nice to each other.